0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Anthony Cashman. Thanks for tuning in once again to our Tin Talk here, and uh, joined by Rhett Bollinger. As always, Rhett is about to take off for Florida, and he'll be in Fort Myers uh, for the length of camp. Yeah, excuse me, length of camp as the Twins get ready for 2016 after a nice surge up the standings in 2015. Rhett, uh, let's, let's hit on some key uh, talking points here uh, for the Twins' spring. And uh, in my eyes, the, the biggest one is maybe the rotation battle uh, in the back end of the rotation. Uh, I'm assuming uh, Irvin Santana, Phil Hughes, and Kyle Gibson are, are locks, I would say. What What's the future hold for those last two spots in rotation?
0: Well, it's going to be interesting. As you said, I think Gibson, Hughes, Santana are locks. Um, those last two spots are going to be up for grabs there. Um, it's going to be kind of an interesting battle. I mean, Ricky Nolasco is definitely the biggest wild card. The last two years has really struggled. Um, but we know that he's owed you know, two years and $25 million. Uh, yeah. so they're going to give him every chance possible uh, to make that rotation because they probably don't want to pay a guy a $12.5 million to, to just be in the bullpen as a long reliever. Um, Tommy Malone, another veteran, actually coming off a pretty good year last year. I think he had a 3.92 ERA. Uh, was definitely a very important piece for them as a guy that kind of filled in when others got hurt. Um, So you got to figure he's got a strong chance. He didn't really do anything to lose a spot last year. Um, He's just not really a guy that, you know, he's not an overpowering pitcher. He's kind of a soft-tossing lefty. So I don't really see him as a guy that goes to the bullpen either. Uh, So to me, they're still kind of the favorites, but, you know, fans don't want to hear that because they've got some young pitching options now. Uh, Tyler Duffy had a great 10 starts last year down the stretch. And really, you know, based on that, alone, probably is deserving to be in the rotation, but sometimes, like I said, the business side of it kind of gets in the way with the contracts in Alaska and even Malone, you know, a guy that just signed a contract as an arbitration-eligible guy. Um, Trevor May is going to be in that mix, but I, I still kind of think that May is probably more likely to get into the bullpen. Um, and Jose Barrios, top prospect, certainly they're going to get a look at him. Um, I think he's probably one of their best five starters already in terms of just pure talent and skill. Um, I think this is the same kind of thing with a little bit of that business side of it, but they've got some other options. The fact that Barrios hasn't been called up yet, they could delay some of that, you know, free agency and that kind of stuff. They keep down a little bit. So I think it's going to be a big battle, but at the same time, and anything could happen, but I think going into it, I think the veterans have a little bit of a leg up, but it's kind of going to come down to performance and all that.
1: Yeah, that's, that'll be interesting. I mean, yeah, uh, Barrios, you understand, uh, you know, every team plays that game. Uh, as the initial call-up and, and the service clock, but uh, yeah, Duffy was so good for them down the stretch last season. Uh, you hope he gets an earnest shot, and, and things happen, too. We know that. Sometimes injuries pop up or uh, shoot. Sometimes a guy gets banged with a suspension just before you break camp, and you didn't see that coming, but um, hopefully it doesn't come to that, of course, uh, once again, but uh, uh, but yeah, with, with Duffy, I mean, how real was what we saw down the stretch last season in your mind, Rhett? I mean, based on his minor league performance and and just his overall profile?
0: It's a great question. I mean, he's a guy that we didn't really hear too much about as a minor leaguer. Um, he was never, you know, a huge prospect. Uh, you always heard so much about Jose Berrios at AAA. Um, obviously, Alex Myers a name he had not really even mentioned, and he was a big prospect. Uh, yeah. And obviously, Myers has some potential, too. Uh, he just really struggled last year overall in general. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a little bit of a surprise for him to come up and have that kind of success. Um, but to me, it still looked real just because the stuff was there. You know, he throws pretty hard. He's got that great breaking ball. I mean, That curveball really is impressive pitch. He gets a lot of swings and misses, a lot of strikeouts on it. So if you look at the, you know, the peripheral stats, if you look at the strikeouts to walk ratio, um, you know, leaving the home runs allowed. You know, it was a legit performance in that sense. You know, you never know if you can repeat that and you can continue to kind of get these guys to continue to chase on that curveball. That's really kind of bread and butter. Is that curveball really was uh, the difference maker for him last year? Um, but if guys can lay off of it, you know, that's the one thing we'll kind of see in his second year. Um, but it was pretty legitimate to me. It wasn't like it was smoke and mirrors. I've seen other Twins pitchers come up in recent years, you know, kind of come up and the guys that don't strike anybody out. Next thing you know, they have a nice little run, but the league catches up to them. Maybe a guy like Scott Diamond uh, comes yeah. to mind. Whereas Duffy has the legit stuff. Um, and even his binary numbers were pretty solid, though. They just weren't, he just never jumped out at you the way that some of the really big prospects did. Um, but I think he's a legit starter, and I think that he's got a real shot to make it. It's just going to kind of come down to. Like I said, sometimes it comes down to the business side of it. And as you said, sometimes someone can get hurt. You never know. So I certainly think there's a good chance he makes the rotation, but uh, you never know, and there's certainly a chance he also could you a triple uh, A.
1: And, and the bullpen will be affected by the rotation battle, but, but is the bullpen the only other source of you know, earnest position battle in your mind?
0: Well, pretty much. But you never know position player-wise in the sense that Byron Buxton's got to you know, prove himself uh, the Twins yeah. would love for him to have a great spring and for him to grab the center field job and never look back. Um, but he's got to prove that. There's certainly a chance that he could struggle in, in spring and they could say, you know what, we want Byron to go back down to triple A and kind of work on a few things you know, offensively. Center field in that sense, they could either say, okay, we're just going to throw Eddie Rosario out there in the short term until until Byron's ready. Or they could even have Danny Santana out there in center field. Um, I still think that it's definitely Buxton's job to lose, and that's who they want to win it, kind of like Aaron Hicks a couple years ago. Um, but, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, I think Miguel Sano certainly is going to make the team, but right field would be interesting to watch. But I, I think at this point they've pretty much gone all in on the right field experiment. Um, you know, yeah. Jungmo Park even has something to prove as a, a guy that's coming from Korea. The Twins, same thing, would love for him to be the DH from day one. Um, but he technically can be sent to the minors, and if he had a really disastrous spring, um, that could happen. But, but really, I mean, as long as the guys kind of produce as expected in terms of position players, it wouldn't, you know, it should be kind of locked down. Um, but, yeah, the bullpen is going to be the more that, you know, the kind of the um, the back end set with guys like Perkins and Jepsen and, and Fiend and probably May. But those last few spots will definitely be up for grabs.
1: Um, another item that came up this week is Joe Maurer's vision. Uh, he says, uh, he told the, uh, it was the St. Paul Pioneer Press that his vision was affected by his 2013 concussion and that he's going to, basically experiment with wearing sunglasses during day games. And as you noted, right, there is actually a, there was a pretty distinct difference in his uh, performance, uh, his, his flash line in day games versus night games. Uh, certainly uh, a topic to watch, I guess, as spring develops here.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting to me. I mean, we've known that uh, ever since that concussion uh, in 2013, he really hasn't been the same player. And obviously even the year that he had it, uh, he was having a great year. He was an all-star that year. He was still a catcher. He takes a foul tip to the mask, has concussion, and misses the rest of the year. And ever since then, you know, the moved to first base. thought, okay, I'll be healthy, hopefully get back to that kind of level of production that he was at before the concussion. And the last year, it just hasn't happened. You know, he's really struggled offensively, hasn't been the same player. Um, but he really hadn't used that excuse. You know, he's he never he always kind of said, oh, no, the concussion symptoms are pretty much gone, that kind of stuff. Never made excuses for it. And then, sure enough, uh, kind of out of nowhere, comes out this report that uh, he actually said that he couldn't see during the day and that he's going to wear sunglasses you know, at the plate, that kind of thing. Um, so I think it surprised a lot of people. I think it surprised people within the organization. Terry Ryan said that he didn't even know that Maurer was suffering from that. So um, I think it's an interesting thing to see how it's going to go. Um, I don't know how much it really did affect him at the plate. No one really does probably except for Maurer. Uh, just because you know, if he hadn't really told the training staff or the, the front office or anything, um, it's hard to know how serious it was or how much he wanted to hide it from them. Um, so it's going to be a big story I think it can't kind of get more from Maurer and kind of figure out what the organization knew, how much that affected him, and then just to kind of play it out and see and watch you know, how it does affect him. And is, he gonna, is it going to help him? Because if obviously him wearing sunglasses really does help him during day games and he can improve his overall numbers, that would be huge for the Twins. Um, so it's definitely going to be a, a big storyline. It seems like every, every you know, every offseason, everyone writes a story, Joe Maurer did this, work out, this new, and this and that, <laughs> this year is going to be different, and this and that. But finally, there's actually some sort of real – games yeah. that he talked about that's actually real, so we'll kind of see how that kind of all plays out.
1: And, and legitimately see it, because, I mean, so many day games in, in the Grapefruit League, obviously, it's, it's not like you want to read too much into his, his production down there, but it'll be kind of hard not to, uh, not to evaluate uh, the, the numbers he puts up in those games, just because he will be uh, trying something different for, for the day games. Right? What's, what's spring training like for you, man? Uh, like I said, a lot more day games, Totally different schedule for a beat writer. Uh, what are your thoughts as you go into it? how many camps is this for you now?
0: Well, this would be my, I believe my sixth camp now with the Twins, huh. um, and then it would be my eighth overall. I did two in Arizona, kind of as a backup where I used to go. They just right. have me kind of park out in Tempe, and they'd have me go all over the place. It's so easy to get around spring training. So, um, but for me, yeah, spring training's fun. I mean, the big thing is you're right, schedule-wise, totally different. You know, getting the clubhouse at seven in the morning. Uh, it's a lot different than getting to the clubhouse at 3.30 uh, p.m. I'm not exactly a person that uh, gets up too early generally. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of uh, an interesting thing in that sense. But uh, it's funny, you know, kind of to see all the different position battles and uh, the access is great and the players are all in a you know, great mood because the new season and the excitement of it all. Um, and, then, you know, the facilities at, you know, for the Twins are awesome. I mean, you know, the renovated uh, Hammond Stadium is great. Um, just a, a great venue overall. I mean, spring training in Florida is a little tougher in terms of Fort Myers being a little bit away from everything else in a sense. It's a little bit of a drive to get to the end of the stadium, which is kind of tough. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a fun time of year and kind of gets that excitement ready for the regular season.
1: You must feel like you know the Red Sox roster pretty well by the end of spring camp. Yeah.
0: Exactly, yeah. I mean, they're the only other team in town, so they're playing the Red Sox constantly. Same with the Rays. The Rays and Red Sox take yeah. up probably more than half of the twin schedules. So yeah, you definitely get to know. So we're raising Red Sox beat writers and uh, all the hosting <laughs> players, including their minor leaguers, no one's ever heard of.
1: Well, uh, I think we can tell the people we had, we had to wake you up for this podcast, Rhett. Thank you for, uh, exactly. For see? Up early, setting the alarm clock and uh, uh, the dedication there. And Rhett's headed off to Fort Myers this week, so be sure <laughs> to catch his reports from there. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Minnesota Twins Edition.